Are you familiar with the different uh, ringtones that you can get on your phones? You know, the different uh, <laughs> identifying tones. Um, uh, for example, here's the bulletin. See if you can get this. Try it again. Hello. Do you hear that? Okay, a little bit. Okay, let's try this one. How about the constellation? Okay. Um, here is the, the one for the summit. They call the summit. I like this one. Reminds me of a basketball game. I don't know. Um, but uh, that, that's the summit. I, I, I share that uh, because there's another one that uh, maybe you have heard about, maybe you haven't heard about. It's called the mosquito tone. Um, now, I didn't play the mosquito tone because my guess is... Um, very few of us here could really hear it. Um, <laughs> um, because inside of our ears, see, there's these um, microscopic hairs that move with the impulses of sound waves, and those hair movements send those electrical signals to our brains. And as we age, and I'm sorry to share this because I, I realize this has become more of a reality than, than otherwise. As we age, those hairs, they get worn down and damaged. So our hearing becomes um, increasingly less sensitive. And we lose the ability to detect sounds of high frequencies. And they say the highest um, note on a piano is uh, 4 kilohertz, Okay. And people over the age of 25 cannot hear over 16 kilohertz. The mosquito tone <laughs> is 17 kilohertz. So that means that if you're over the age of 25, you can't hear the mosquito tone. <laughs> that's why I didn't play it this morning. Now, although I got to tell you, that's all very interesting, um, I bring that up just not for that interesting fact. I really bring it up because Jesus today in our passage confronts us with this whole issue of hearing. And he doesn't deal with ringtones, but rather he deals with our ability, willingness to hear the word of God. And this question today to each one of us is a question that we'll continue to, to come back to is simply this. Regardless of how old you are, are you open to hearing what Jesus has to say? How's your hearing when it comes to listening to the word of God? I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke Chapter 8, continuing our series through the Gospel of Luke, I found it very fascinating as we kind of walk through this Gospel um, and how Luke has laid it out. And here in Luke chapter 8, what we do is we find Jesus traveling from village to village, town to town, and he's sharing the good news of the kingdom of God. And he not only has an entourage of followers who are traveling with him, that is his disciples, and then also uh, this group of women that are traveling with him, but there are people that are coming from every direction, people from all these towns and villages. They're coming out to see him and to listen to him. And as we have been walking through Luke, we have been seeing that Jesus has been gaining this popularity and the crowds have become larger and larger. And just like what happens today, in any big gathering of any sort, um, people come out to that gathering for all sorts of reasons. 
Some were coming out probably to Jesus to hear him um, because they'd heard so much about this guy and they want to know what he's all about. <laughs> Some are probably coming out because they'd heard that he heals people and they're coming out to get healed. I'm guessing there's some that are coming out just for the show. They're hoping something spectacular might take place. Some are coming out of just sheer curiosity. And others are coming out to see what this guy is, who they've heard so much about. And, and, and they're wondering if, if he's really the one that has been promised to them. They're interested. They're, they're, they're truly seeking. And just like here this morning, both in person and online, my guess, is a variety of people were tuning in, <laughs> were coming with a variety of needs and with a variety of expectations. So what does Jesus do here? Well, he launches into a story, a parable. Now, a parable, um, those are earthly stories told to make a heavenly point, Right? And Jesus' point in this parable is simply this. How well are you listening to God's word? So what's the uh, a parable? Well, I remember uh, an interview. I remember listening and hearing an interview that's, uh, with Billy Graham one time. And, and the interviewer asked Billy Graham if he knew what happened to all those people, though, that came forward at his crusades after Billy Graham had left town. Um, and Billy Graham responded, yes, I, I know what happens. And then he pointed to this parable. <laughs> um, it's the parable of the sower. Do you see this? It's the only parable, by the way, that's recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels. And while it goes by the name, um, the popular name of the parable of the sower, in truth, it, it should be called, I think, the parable of the soils. Why? Because the emphasis of this parable is on the four different kinds of soils. Um, and the sower, in fact, he's only mentioned one time in this whole parable. Look with me, starting in verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And he sowed, and some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we recognize that Jesus' ministry was oftentimes done in the rural areas, and evidently that's the setting here in, as Jesus is telling this story. And for those in his audience, they would have known uh, what it was to go out and to sow their seed and to find some of it was wasted because it would fall on hard soil. And some of it fell into rocky soil, which would prevent the roots from taking hold from going down deep, and so the plant would grow up quickly, but quickly would also die. They also knew uh, what it was to have uh, sown seeds in soil where there were also weeds and thorns, and when the plant would begin to grow, the thorns and weeds would also grow, and, and they would overtake the plant and choke the life out of the seed. 
Jesus' audience, I'm sure, would have also known what it was to have a seed fall into good soil and produce a crop, although the crop wouldn't be this great that he indicates here. I mean, a, a tenfold crop would have been a great crop. A sevenfold crop would have been a good crop. And a hundredfold, well, what Jesus is talking about here, it's really hyperbole. Um, he's speaking in hyperbole because, see, Jesus here, he's talking about, the, in reality, the greatness of spiritual uh, fruitfulness. And then Jesus, do you notice this? He concludes his whole parable to the crowd. He, he includes it with, a, with an exhortation. He who has ears to hear, he says, let him hear. Now, I want you to notice something here. Jesus is not saying, he who has ears, let him hear. <laughs> not quite that simple. No, he's addressing those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. What's he mean by that? Well, Jesus is calling out and saying to you and I, he's saying to those who are in that crowd, he's saying, those of you who are listening, do you get it? Are you hearing me? <laughs> those of you who have an interest, those of you who care to understand, are you understanding really? Are you really understanding what I'm saying, he's saying? You realize back in Luke chapter 6, Jesus introduces that very familiar story of the um, wise and the, the foolish builders. And he introduces it by asking why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, he says to the crowd there. See, evidently, Jesus has run into this problem before where people are hearing, but not really. People are there in the audience, and they're listening, and they're, they're nodding their heads in apparent agreement, but they're not really grasping what he's saying. And as soon as they get out of the, the parking lot, they have forgotten what Jesus already said. <laughs> you know, it's, I got to tell you, that's the plight of the preacher. <laughs> Stories told the three friends decided to go out deer hunting together. There was a lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher. As they were walking along, they, uh, along came this big buck. The three of them shot simultaneously and immediately the buck, it dropped to the ground, and all three rushed to see how big this buck actually was. And upon reaching it, they, 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 they couldn't determine who shot it was that actually killed that deer. As a heated debate ensued, a few minutes later, a game officer came by and asked what the problem was. <laughs> Doctor said they... they uh, we're debating who it was, whose shot it was that dropped that buck. The officer took a look at the buck, and within a few seconds, he said with much confidence, well, it's the preacher's shot that got the buck. They all wondered, how can you come to that conclusion so quickly? The officer said, well, easy. <laughs> the bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> That's the preacher's plight, right? That was Jesus' plight so often. When you read the Gospels, in fact, time after time, you, you run into these disciples, the same ones that Jesus is talking to. They are um, letting Jesus' words, it seems like, go in one ear and, and out the other. Not hearing, not understanding what Jesus is talking about. But it's interesting here in this moment, 
they intuitively, intuitively seem to understand that the story that Jesus has told was significant. So in verse 9, when they get Jesus all alone by themselves, they ask him what this parable means. Now we have to pause here because Jesus kind of does a little pause. And before Jesus explains what this parable means, what he does is he launches into one of the reasons he uses parables. In fact, when you look at this, I got to tell you, it's one of Jesus' hard sayings. It's one of those... um, Keep you up at night verses. Look with me at verse 10. And he said, to you, it has been given to, uh, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He's talking to the disciples. To you guys, you guys get to know the secrets. But, but for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, I find that both intriguing and perplexing at the same time, don't you? I mean, normally this is the way I think it should go. You know, we think, hey, Jesus, you tell these stories. You tell these little stories so that in hearing God's truth um, in a fun and interesting way, the people would respond and they'll follow Jesus, you know, all the way to heaven. (laughs) But Jesus says, no, in fact, the reverse is true. The reason I'm telling these little stories is not to make it easier for people to understand, but to make it harder for them to understand. See, parables act like a filtration system. They help distinguish between the superficial and the serious. Between the fun seeker and the spiritual seeker. The superficial uh, will say... You know, I don't know what that story really is all about. I don't really understand what it all means. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't really care either. But the serious will say, you know, I'm not sure what that story means. But I want to find out more. See, parables both conceal and reveal the truth. They're a mine of truth to those who are serious and their judgment to those who don't care. He who has ears, Jesus says, let him hear. Those who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus then, what he does is he explains the parable to his disciples. Um, and his explanation is both clear and it's also very challenging. Look with, his, look with me at his explanation. Verse 11. Now, the parable is this, he says. This seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But, those, but, but these have no root, and they believe for a while. And in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what the, uh, fell among the thorns... They are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, several things I want you to notice about this this parable. First of all, we need to know that the seed is the word of God. 
there's not really anything told us here about the sower, uh, sower right? I mean, you might sit there and go, Jesus, tell us about the sower. What, what, what was a sower like? And Jesus says, irrelevant, sit back down. <laughs> there's nothing here about the sower. Now, the sower is not meaningless because the seed does not sow itself. But the sower is not the issue in this parable. The seed is. The seed is the word of God. How does the kingdom of God get established? How does a person and how does a church body grow and mature in their Christian faith? It's by means of the word of God. That's why here at, at First Free, I got to be honest, God's word is at the core of everything that we do. It's one of our values. Scripture-centered, treasuring God's word as a standard of faith and life. It's why preaching <laughs> is central to our worship services. It's why we um, are committed to teaching our children and our, our youth and adults God's word. It's why we encourage you to be in God's word, reading God's word, studying God's word on a daily basis. It's because you meet Christ in the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The second thing we need to notice, while the seed is the same, the soil varies. And the soil is the heart. In fact, look with me at verse 12. Look what, look what he says here. Um, the ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from what? Their hearts. Skip down to me. Uh, to the good soil, verse 15. As for in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. So what we're dealing with here, in reality, is it, it's a heart condition Jesus is talking about. Four different soils, Four different hearts. Now there's the hard heart. That's the person who's completely resistant or opposed to God's word. They may be antagonistic, but more often than not, they are just simply uninterested. Their hearts are as hard as nails, and the truth of God simply bounces off of their heart uh, surface of their lives, and, and, and as Satan comes by and picks up that life-giving seed and just flies away. <laughs> then there's the shallow heart. The shallow heart are those who, when they receive it, they, they receive the, the word with joy. It's the opposite, really, of the hard heart. Uh, I mean, the shallow heart's receptive. Um, they're, they're interested. They're exhilarated uh, by it. They, they receive it with joy. But see, they fail to put down any roots. And that little phrase there um, that says um, at the end of verse 12, that they may not believe, or excuse me, verse um, 13, they believe for a while. Because they have no roots, they believe for a while. That's an important statement. There are people who believe for a while, but at a time of temptation or, or, or trial, they fall away. Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. 
The writer of Hebrews talks about true believers being those who persevere. I got to tell you, as a pastor over the years, both in student ministry and as a senior pastor, I have seen those, many of those who have had this type of heart. They come to Christ, you know, they're excited, there's this joy, enthusiasm, they might even take that step of getting baptized, but over time, when life doesn't turn out the way that they were expecting or the way that they were hoping, their faith withers and dies. And they walk away from the church and they walk away from their faith. They walk away from God. And I got to every time I watch that happen, it breaks my heart. Next, there's the distracted heart. When the seed is sown in this soil, it fights the thorns and the weeds for nutrients, and eventually the thorns choke out the seed before they can produce any fruit. Jesus says these thorns and weeds, they represent the cares and riches and and pleasures that this life brings. This heart makes gestures towards Christ, but life's worries draw it back, leaving no room for authentic growth. Keeping up with the Joneses, you know, life's riches and life's pleasures lure the soul away from following Christ. This heart gets distracted by the things of the world and it does not mature. And finally, there's the good heart, right? Good soil that produces fruit. This is an open heart that grabs a hold of God's word and hears it and clings to it tightly. So now we return to our original question. How responsive are you to God's word? Which soil maybe represents you today? How's your hearing when it comes to listening to God's word? Now, it's become normal, of course, uh, right? These days, when you go to the airport, you have to go through... uh, an airport security scanner to see if, if you're carrying anything that could be used as a weapon. And I wondered, I thought about that, if it would be useful if we have a version of a, an airport security scanner at the door of the, the church that could reveal the conditions of our hearts. But you know what? Instead of a scanner, we have this parable, don't we? Um... It's a mirror to force us to honestly grapple with our heart's condition. Jesus is telling us that we can always determine what that is by how receptive we are to the word of God. How's your hearing? How's your heart? One of the evidences that someone is that fourth soil or that fourth heart, is that they cling tightly to the word of God. Look with me at the end of verse 15. Do you see this? As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Now, now let's be honest, okay? Um, There are times when we all get superficial and tangled and hard-hearted. I mean, there aren't perfect 
any perfect Christians, any, any perfect Christians I know of. <laughs> there aren't sinless disciples of Jesus Christ. There's no one whose heart is always pure and anyone uh, who is producing good fruit all the time. But those with good hearts know that they need God's grace to keep their hearts open to Jesus and his word. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify, purify us from all unrighteousness. People with good hearts regularly, they, they go to the Lord for a heart realignment. <laughs> and they rely on his grace to help them live out what he says. And they retain God's teaching and they hold fast to it by God's grace. You ever seen, uh, watch one of those uh, games with a championship trophy involved? One of those sports one of the fun things about uh, watching the Minnesota Gophers uh, versus the Wisconsin Badgers football games is that they battle over the axe. I don't know if you've seen this. It's this big, giant, huge, huge axe. And whichever team wins the game, they sprint over to the sidelines and they grab a hold of that giant axe and they hold it up for everyone to see and all the players are grabbing at it and, and whoever has it doesn't want to let it go and they cling to it. In a similar fashion, the good heart is one that clings to God's word, not wanting to let it go. They hold it fast, they read it, and they study it. Not only do they cling to God's word, but the fourth soil, do you read this? Into verse 15, bear fruit with patience. That is, they pers persevere. Now, that's not a commitment of a month or a a year or, or, or a decade. That's a commitment that says through thick or thin, through the ups and downs of life, through the good times and the, and, and the bad times, those who are the good soil will be people whose lives are aligned with the Bible through all of those situations. Jesus wants us to be people who hear the Bible and by God's grace abide by it throughout life. And I got to tell you, if you grew up in church or you've been in church uh, for a while, um, that's not news to you, I don't think. And then what Jesus does, he switches metaphors and he gives us another evidence of, of good soil. But this time he uses the image of light to characterize God's word. Look with me at verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. In the ancient world, you have to understand, because they had no electricity, right? Um, light was created by lighting a candle lamp and then putting that candle lamp um, up on a stand so that it would illuminate uh, the room. And the point that Jesus is making is that's how God's word is to act in our lives, yours and mine. 
Jesus says, listen, if our hearts are good and receptive to the word of God, and by his grace we preserve, persevere over time, we will reflect God's light. See, we all need to be transformed, don't we? To be better, uh, reflect who he wants us to be. And such transformation, it takes listening and it takes hearing and it takes applying God's word to our lives. Now, some people will say, um, the Bible doesn't make any difference in the lives of people. That Christianity doesn't make, it doesn't really have a positive influence in someone's life. And I got to tell you, both of those sayings are absolutely wrong. They're incorrect. <laughs> because if by God's grace we grasp a hold of the word of God and live it throughout life, it will be seen. And it will have a positive effect and our lives will be transformed, and we will shine his light. <laughs> and one final evidence of a good heart gives us we will live it. Look with me in verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him. And they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, listen to this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, we have to understand the Jewish culture in that first century was extremely family of origin and extended family oriented. In a very real sense, you were your family. <laughs> so what Jesus says is incredibly radical in that family-focused society. And Jesus says, those who hear the words of mine, Jesus says, and respond to them and live them out in their lives are those who are part of my family. <laughs> Doing God's word proves that you belong to Jesus and that you're close to him. You know, I watch national and uh, local um, TV news I read newspapers, find out what's happening in our city, what's happening in our nation, in our world. And like you, I've been caught up in um, the political drama of the last several weeks, over the last year, really. And a lot of it's negative and pessimistic. And that's why I love Jesus and the Bible. In this passage, our Lord shows us a far better way to live our life. He's telling us here that we must not only hear God's word, but we must cling tightly to it. Can you imagine what would happen if, if we did? Imagine everyone in this church responded with a great heart to God's word. And over the next year, by God's grace, lived it out at home or at school or at work or in your neighborhood. Imagine if all husbands loved their wives and all the wives respected their husbands. Imagine if the parents here, you know, raised their children in the nurture and love of the Lord and the children responded with hearts that were attuned to God's word. What if it all was simply, what if we all simply loved our neighbors as ourselves? What if all of us who work uh, took Jesus to our jobs every single day? 
What if those who are retired, those who play on sports teams, those who belong to a, a community groups or clubs, showed those around us the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control that are the fruits of the Spirit? <laughs> what would happen if we grab a hold of God's Word and cling to it tightly? Our lives would be transformed, friends. <laughs> transformed. And we would begin to impact our world for Christ. Let's open up our hearts to Jesus and his word. Let's grab it and starting today, begin to live it out for the rest of our lives. Right? Those who have ears to hear. Let them hear. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word of truth. God, I pray that we indeed, as a church, as individuals, that we would be good soil, that we would have ears to hear, and we would hear your word, your truth, and we'd apply it to our lives. We'd cling to it tightly. And it would transform us. That your word in our hearts would have a place to grow and to flourish. We pray these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.